0: All right, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Southern Scrap Nation's podcast. Um, Hold on, let me get the banner out of the way one second. It is January 19th, 2023. It's around like 4 p.m. here in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm your host, Daniel Jonas, back at it with another podcast this week to discuss uh, UFC. What UFC are we on? Give me one second. Oof! All right, let's see. UFC, UFC, UFC. UFC two hundred and eighty three. We have Glover Teixeira versus Jamal Hill in the main event, and then we have Davison Figueroa and Brandon Moreno in the co-main event for the light heavy or for the flyweight strap. And then the main event is the light heavyweight strap. We also have Gilbert Burns on the card versus Neil Magny. Uh, Lauren Murphy, Jessica Andrade, Paul Craig, Johnny Walker, and you know a couple others. We'll get into most of them, if not all of them. And I'm going to give you all my predictions as far as what I think could happen and potentially happen in these fights. And then we'll go over what happened this past weekend because you know my picks were pretty good. Just gonna say got to say that except for the main event. Momova really screwed me on that one. Uh, but regardless, we'll go into why that happened and um and then we'll go into the biggest news that of course marches the going to be the highlight of 2023 at the moment. It's the return of the goat, John Jones, and now that he's back, I can talk about it relentlessly for the next two months round so get ready for that now all that being said let's go ahead and get started all right so this past weekend we had obviously strickland versus a and talking about what happened this past weekend um everything else like i said kind of came so what it was, it's who had the most dog, and the most dog won. Also, can we stop about stop talking about Khabib and let's talk about Umar Nurmagomedov, who's now risen to sixteen and zero, knocking out and being the first one to knock out uh, Um He did it pretty emphatically as well. He faked a kick, through a punch as he faked the kick to go for a takedown, and then, and all that madness. He clipped the chin. Those small gloves don't. They don't play, and then he went soaring eagle, um, diving hammer fist. Circa Dan Henderson, Michael Bisbing, won, and then he caressed his face and made sure he was okay. And that all happened in like five seconds. These guys move really fast. Um, but once again, shout out to Nurmagomedov for just doing it. You know, let's keep talking about him. And then the Raquel Pennington. Ketlin Vieira fight, dog. Uh, Raquel Pennington, dog. Uh, she just, she's a veteran. It was kind, I, I don't know why Ketlin took that fight. In the rankings, Ketlin's like number two, and Raquel Pennington was number five. So maybe they've had her, maybe the UFC's like, you have another option. Um, but Raquel Pennington, just her style with the the grittiness in it. Um, let's see. Um, and when I talk about John Jones, I'll get into these. So, total strikes landed. As you can see, it doesn't seem like in the striking numbers that Raquel should have won, right? But the significant strikes obviously outland, and the significant strikes are the ones that matter. She had attempts at least for takedowns. Um, just the forward pace and pressure, and, you know, putting more, landing more when it matters in the later rounds and just never giving up. I mean, what does being a dog mean? It's just. Staying in the fight constantly and pushing forward, even though you know, even if you're winning, right? And you wanna you wanna hop on the bike and coast. That's probably a bad idea. The judges don't like that. They don't. They just don't. Um, but there's a way to push forward and not, you know, end up like getting all busted up and stuff. But and once again, talk about it later. But pushing forward, applying pressure. Making the like making them lead your leading the dance right making sure that when they strike it's because it's on your terms if you're striking it's on your terms everything is going because you're controlling the rhythm of the fight you're playing the drums and everyone's just dancing along to it and in a fight you can kind of see that um but moving on to Roman law versus Puliano Punia Punaheli Soriano Punaheli Soriano. How is Soriano? I got it. Um, jab. Jab. Jab and pressure. Jab and pressure. Make some commitment to the body. And then he started landing in the jab and he and putting Soriano on the back foot. And Kopilov kept landing the jab. And it wasn't until like the third, no, the second round when he was about to, when he was going to TKO him. But it was all because of the first round. First round was nothing special. It was just jabs. It's all that Roman threw and the second round, he started adding jabs, started going to the body with kicks, spinning back kick to the body, and then going to the body, going to the body. And just all off that jab, all off of, you know, pressure, pace, jab. Um, and then in the co-main event, Dan Ige with the beautiful step back right to the body, left hook up top. Once again, set it up through pressure and pace. Damon Jackson, hands low, up top. I don't really know why that fight was even made. Danny Engage is like a ranked opponent and Damon Jackson's not even close to rank like the top 20. I don't, I didn't get it, but it's one of those like, if you guys wanted to see what a knockout looks like, if you guys want to see what a hook to the body and left hook is, we set this whole fight up just so you guys can see. Someone get knocked out. It's kind of messed up. Um, and then it made have been. What happened? Sean Strickland. Mamov. Momov, mom. we've seen him be better on the feet. We've seen him move around. We've seen him in and out. We've seen him use great elbows and be creative in there. Be like a Dagestani Cyril Gone. But Sean Strickland's so good at just like making you play his game that in the moments where he's so everyone's like why does he go grab his hand why does he grab his hand well strickland starts by grabbing your hands and obviously that's a disruptor it sucks he grabs your hands and then he throws punches and we all know that but as the fight carries on and carries on and he's occupying your hands and then all of a sudden he's not occupying your hands and then there's this like moment of the other person playing his game going, well, if he's not grabbing my hands, I'm going to grab his hands. And then you start grabbing his hands. And then as you go to grab his hands, your hands are occupied trying to grab hands. And he's throwing punches at you. And that's why a lot of his stoppages are not like one punch knockouts. Like in jab cross done. It's like a setup game. It's because he sets it up by making you then commit to the hand grabbing game, thinking you can do it better than he can. And then he starts landing shots over the top, and he starts landing his uglier shots. And that's all essentially the the game was. Is was just Sean Strickland starting a little bit quicker, and then throwing a little bit more, and like being on the foot, like forward pressing. Now, does it have something to do with the fact that Amamov is maybe a younger fighter, and Sean just used? Uh, I mean, not. This is just more of like. Was it? Is it one of those things that this was the perfect fight for Sean in the way that he was able to go out there and get his mojo back and go, "Oh yeah, I just gotta move forward and throw my punches." And being a more inexperienced fighter, <clears throat> Sean was able to capitalize on his experience in five rounds. This is the mama's first time even going five rounds, so like being comfortable with the fact that, like, oh, I can go five rounds. Um, I'm taking it late notice. Yada yada yada. For mama, I mean, man, it's all about how you come back. It's all anyone's going to talk about. So the way to deal with Sean Strickland in that kind of sense is look at Alex Pereira. You just don't engage in his game. You go to your game plan, and you don't engage in his. Easy. All right, solved. Cool. On to the next one. So let's start with some what's going on in the world of MMA. Does it want to work? Doesn't wanna work? Why can't I scroll? Can I scroll on this one? Ah, I can scroll on this one though. You think it's the website? It's mass I can scroll on this one. The hell am I fighting? Um Uh, USC announces partner to monitor fight betting. Thanks, James Krause. Here's one. Oh, hey, everyone. Here's a little thing since I didn't get to talk about it. Fun little PSA. If you're a coach and your fighter's fighting, don't bet. All right, cool. And if you're a coach, just overall, don't bet. I don't. And that's that's not because, like, the morality of, like, oh, if I'm a coach, I shouldn't bet. It's more like I, I'm, I'm, I suck at, like, personally betting for some reason. If I put money down on anything, for some reason, I'll lose all the money. But if I, like, talk about it and I go, oh, I think this is what's going to happen and I put nothing in stake for it, I get it all the time. So, I don't know. And someone could probably explain that to me. I don't really care, because I'm not... It's not my vice. Gambling's not my vice. I'm more of one of those people that, like, uh, I have to look at from the outside and go, it's cool. It's fun. I can get excited for them, but... If you have, like, personal stake in it, stay away from it. It's clearly um kraus branded a podcast one percent club which discuss. it's kind of a weird name right isn't that like a white isn't that uh, whatever um kraus branded a podcast one percent club which discussed picks predictions and bets he had a one percent club subscription-based chat and on the social platform discord i guess eventually i have to do a discord so we can all chat and so, whatever. i think that's way more than what i need to But what's the third party? We think the AGCO... Um, so what happened was a November 5th fight between Derek Miner and not even going to even try to pronounce this name, Shay, Shaylin. what's going to go with this one, but not the last one, is the center of major investigation by multiple agencies, according to the federal accord or including at the federal level. An unusual amount of bets came in under Shailen and late wagering prop or late wagering including props for Shailen to finish the fight and win in less than half a round. Minner quickly appeared to hurt his leg in round one and was finished soon after with strikes. So it's like someone had inside information that Derek Minner's leg was hurt and that the fact that he was fighting on one leg probably didn't mean it was gonna come out of the <clears throat> the first round. Now what would be, and since Derek Minner is one of James Krause's fighters, what would be super damning is if James Krause put money on the other guy. You know, so that's, that's the whole issue. All right, it's insider trading. Right, Nancy Pelosi? All right, for some reason, I can't. Why is MMA fighting like this? Aha, we're doing it. We're doing it. All the lights. Okay. So, morning report. This is what I wanted to talk about. Demetrius Johnson reveals shockingly low pay when he was UFC flyweight champion. I'm about to, I'm about to, I'm about to piss a lot of people off. Okay. So, obviously, the whole issue right now is Francis Ngannou. Should he be getting paid what he's worth? Obviously. And uh, the deal that was on the table for Francis Ngannou was a three-fight deal, $8 million to fight John, and then you'd fight John for a rematch, Clause, and then uh, Stipe. $8 million for your first fight. And all he wanted was health insurance. Something else and something else. But the biggest thing was, like, health. So then, that's kind of what, like, put this whole thing in motion. He, Dana White was like, you know what? We'll let you go. We're tired of dealing with this. You go do whatever you want to outside the UFC. Have fun. Cheerio, boy. Um, And so, Nganu tipped his hat, left the UFC. That opened the door for John versus Cyril Gan in March. <clears throat> they accept. Now we have the return of the greatest of all time for the heavyweight championship versus Cyril Ghan, who fought um not his last match, but he fought against Nganu and lost the title. Um lost for the title against Nganu. And most of it was due to wrestling and but then that projected Nganu into his knee surgeries that put him off time or took him off the sideline, and da, 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 now we're all here. So That all being said, Demetrius Johnson was talking about his pay. And Demetrius Johnson was one of the greatest of all time. And everyone's like, yeah, he doesn't get paid. And so he went on his his YouTube channel. And he went into depth of his own exit from the company and his pay during his reign as UFC champion. That's what it says right here, UFC Flyweight Champion. When I fought, this is Demetrius. Quote, when I fought Dominic Cruz for the Bantamweight title, I was under contract when I was fighting. I was fighting for 14000 to show and 14000 to win. Johnson exclaimed, explained, unquote. Quote, I lost to Cruz, so I made fourteen k. Then I was about to fight um, Eddie Weiland. And then I didn't go through, so I fought Ian McCall in Australia. And I was on the same contract. Then I got a new contract when I fought Ian McCall for the second time. And I got bumped up to $20,000. 20, to show a 20,000 win. I beat Ian McCall, then I fought Joseph Benavides. I was still in the 20,000 and 20,000. So when I fought John Dotson, I'm 23 and 23. Then when I fought John Moraga, it was 23 and 23. So possibly went up to 26 and 26. Then when I fought Joseph Benavides, it was like 30 and 30. And then I finally got my a new contract as a champion. And I think it was 125 and 50,000, but I couldn't get pay-per-view points. That's where a champion makes most of the bang for their buck, the pay-per-view points. Because if you're on a card with Conor McGregor and he does $1.2 you just do the fucking math. You're going to make a shitload of money. I've never got the opportunity to do that. So. All that being said. And he said, so when they tried to stiff, I quote, so when they tried to stiff-arm me into fighting TJ Dillashaw, I was like, yeah, fucking pay me millions of dollars and I'll do it. This is a super fight that makes super money. <clears throat> before I get into my before I get into my into my explanation of how I feel about the whole situation. Okay, so, let me explain this to people. The UFC was bought out by WME for $4 billion, right? The UFC, the company, after Lorenzo and his, Lorenzo Fertita and Frank took their money and were like, uh, see ya, uh, thank you for the dough, we will see you later. Um, After they took all that money, WME is like, guess what you guys still owe us? $4 billion worth of revenue. You have to make that money back. Welcome to a debt-based economy, everyone. Um, You have to make that money back. So that $4 million that they were bought, they now owe because you can't just spend $4 billion and be like, no problem. We'll just do that again. And WME, if you do not know, being a, a, uh, a, a tally agency, essentially makes all their money through talent acquisition and uh, movies and celebrities, essentially. And so when COVID happened and all those actors and actresses were out of work and they had no one making their money and that $4 billion was starting to burn a hole... Dana White was like, we have to do everything in our power to make this work. And they did. So kudos to the UFC for doing that. So now through all COVID and all the restrictions, they still made they they were the highest viewed sports going. They were highest viewed entertainment at the time, because they were the only entertainment. And so that did really well for them. And they made a lot of money. That's 20 years since they started. With Demetrius Johnson, the time that he was talking, he was making 20 and 20. And people are like, ugh, how could you pay him 20 and 20? Bro, that's all they had. They didn't have more money. I've said this time and time again. If you want the UFC, the UFC to pay the fighters more money, cut 75% of the roster, keep it, the Ultimate Fighting Championship. If you are the UFC fight, if you are the UFC champion, you are the best fighter in the world exclusivity it's hard to get in making a make it a club essentially make it so hard to get in you have to be so fucking good to even be and it's only the top 20 fighters in each division but no you have the top 50 to 70 fighters in each almost each division fighters that we don't have never even heard of and people are asking for the people at the very bottom to be like he should be making He should be making $80,000. 40 and 40, right? He doesn't make any money for the company. He makes no money for them. Because no one knows who that person is. And I'm not saying Demetrius Johnson doesn't deserve the world. He does. But I'm a fan. I'm a martial artist fan. I love mixed martial arts. I'm a passionate person for it. So I care about Demetrius Johnson. I care about his value and his worth. And I, yeah, I I personally value him higher. But I don't pay the bills. I don't make money. The People that pay the bills are those annoying people in the stands that are like, Woo! And they pay exorbitant amounts of money to go sit in the stands and watch the fight from a terrible angle. Where I don't know why you're even there besides to the scream and yell and drink a lot of beer. Watch the fights at home. If you really care about the fights. But all that being said. Demetrius Johnson's right. He wasn't on the Connor fights. So he doesn't get a piece of that pay-per-view. But also people don't care about him enough in the overall scheme of the world that they would pay the money to watch him on a pay-per-view. So when we talk about Nganu getting what he's worth, These are the highest Ultimate Fighting Championship pay-per-views as of August 2022, and this is the sad reality of the world everyone needs to grow up and realize. If you do not make money for the UFC, you do not get money from the UFC. And out of all these, do you see Francis Ngannou's name on any of them? No, and for the people listening, Khabib versus McGregor is the top one with two point four billion views, or million views, or buys. Diaz McGregor two, Dustin Poirier versus McGregor two, Poirier versus McGregor three, McGregor versus Cerrone, McGregor versus Diaz, Usman versus Masvidal. And I'm telling you, it ain't Usman pulling in that number. UFC one hundred, and guess what? There's no name on it, and the only reason why it's on there is probably because of Brock Lesnar. Al- Alvarez versus McGregor and Aldo versus McGregor. Anyone see a common denominator in the highest pay-per-view sales of all time? And then everyone wonders why connor has got a yacht? Actually, no one wonders why he has a yacht. But the point being is he's the only one that makes money for the company. So he's the only one that would ever get special privilege. Everybody else, lick Dana's boots. That's what you signed up for. You sign a contract. If you don't want it, go somewhere else. And that's what you're now seeing with a lot more fighters. They're now taking the opportunity to go other places. And guess what? I'm going to scream it from the rooftops. Now's not probably a good time to buy into UFC or WME. As much as they put on fights every weekend. And like I was saying, if you want them to cut the roster and pay the fighters more, well, guess what? That's the price you would have to pay. No fights every weekend. But since they put fights on every weekend, everyone wants to be a part of it. But guess what? Comes with a price. Of your soul, or if you think you are you can captivate audiences, become the UFC world champion in whatever weight class you wh- whatever weight class it is, and that means looking at yourself in the mirror if you're a 155 and go, I can beat Islam any day of the week, and truly believe that in the heart of your hearts, then I would recommend joining the UFC, trying to become a champion, trying to make money there. But what at the end of the day, when they offer in Eight million dollars for one fight, and then two more after that to potentially make more. If we're going off of what Demetrius Johnson said, he made 20,000 one fight, and if you won, he made 20 more thousand, so he made 40,000. That's a pretty good salary for the year if you're you know back in that time, and then all you have to do is fight. You're also fighting in the octagon, you're fighting people. I understand it's hard. It's physically taxing and they should get paid a lot but they're also free agents. They're not under, they're not employees. So guess what? That means is you can't you can't ask for health insurance. Right? I don't think you can ask for insurance if you're not an employee, if you're not like, if you're a free agent. I think you can, there might be something you can get but I don't think it's like insurance. I could be wrong with that. I'm not 100% sure. But the point being, because if you're getting $8, $8 million, you as a fighter have the greatest platform for fighting ever. You're the heavyweight fighter of the world. You get $8 million. Take responsibility. Use that $8 million. Spend it in yourself. Spend it on my marketing team. Try do Play into whatever makes people want to watch you. Pay for that to be... Whatever it is, a YouTube a YouTube channel, whatever whatever you think people want to watch or view as far as content, what is seminars, whatever. Dive head first into that. You have eight million dollars to invest into yourself. Then the next fight, and let's say okay, so you win, you make a, a million. The next fight, you make a little bit more, maybe you make ten million dollars, and then you win that. And then on top of that, you get more popularity, you get more sponsorships, you get more. There's a world of money that you can pick from. But it's up to you and having a good managing and team to deter, to like, to to really like sit down and think about like how you can make money other than fighting. If you're complaining about not making enough money fighting, it's like think about what you're doing. You're fighting. Of course, you're not making a lot of money. You're fighting. Literally, anyone can do it. People with no legs can fight. We've seen it. You know what I'm saying? Not everybody can be a rocket scientist. Not everyone can be a surgeon rocket, you know? They can't all, not everybody has the capability of being a top level neurosurgeon or these like, you know, the positions that get paid a lot of money with health insurance and benefits and get paid the 60 or 600 or six figure con- or like a seven figure salaries and all these things. It's because it's a very hard thing and it takes way longer in your life. So you can be, if you're talented, you can be the heavyweight champion of the world by the time you're 23 if you start since you're a child. See what I'm saying? Like by the time you're a neuros neurosurgeon or whatever the fuck you want to be a neuroscientist, what whatever if you want to be that, it takes way longer than just like that long. And that's not to diminish anything, but that's why athletes are athletes. That's why they get paid a lot of money very quickly. The UFC also not been around as long as the NFL or any other sport. And as much as it does have a global reach, it's still not been around as long as soccer. So, and it's also not as, it's not as easy to digest as soccer. You feel like more people can watch soccer because they don't, not a lot of people are going to go, Oh God, why are they doing that? It's a lot, a little bit easier to digest and going back to the people that are in the crowd now a little bit a little bit more of a niche demo in the crowd of MMA fights than there is in the crowd of like European Premier League. See different kind of drip at each of the events. One of them, a lot of people with no shirts on Blazers. Don't know why it's a thing. The other one, Burberry. Alright, so <clears throat> to finish up on the point, Ingano wants to take his chances outside of the UFC. I salute him. Do your thing, man. Obviously, I know that you don't get the sponsorships in the cage. Just fighting is six weeks out of the year. A fight camp is six to eight weeks out of the year. It's not a lot. You have the rest of the year to do things. You have the rest of the year to make money. I don't. I don't understand this. It's like, oh, they should pay him more. It's like, where's the where's the responsibility to go make your own money? I don't understand that. I understand why the UFC is now entitled to pay all these people. Without, the sad truth is, is without Dana White, the UFC isn't the UFC, so that's why he gets paid what he gets paid. You feel me? The Stephen Bonner thing is kind of sad, though. I will say the Stephen Bonner thing is like, why didn't he, why wasn't the job that Forrest Griffin given just like a dual package thing? That's all, you know, give him a, give him a salary. You know he's done enough for the UFC. That's in my mind. You can make, you can make, um, make concessions like you you could. You you can compromise on like giving one person who, you know, was the pivotal fight that changed everything for the UFC, a salary job of meeting and greeting with people. Forrest works two days. You know, Stefan works the other few days. Could have done the same thing with Chuck Liddell. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or BJ Patton. That guy's getting knocked out in bars in Hawaii. It's depressing. So that's why... Ngannou's just not on this list. So he's just... we. They want to give you more money. They love that you knock people out. Oh, no one knows who you are. John Jones isn't even on this list. How sad John Jones isn't even on this list. But John Jones has made more pay-per-views. I think he's in like the nine hundred thousands. So as far as I don't I can't. I don't know if I can look any further. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Live attendance. (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure John Jones only has like 900 something thousand pay-per-views. So that's what I'm saying is like, John jumped at the opportunity. $8 million, I get three guaranteed fights, why not? More people are going to know about me. I don't it's not that I don't sympathize with the fact that yeah, you should give the heavyweight guy more 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 money. but now Demetrius Johnson was traded to a company that offered him more money and it's now hemorrhaging all its money and it has reported over 300 million in losses in the past two years. so I don't I don't know. yeah, obviously. The UFC is like the Sith, and no one really likes what they do. But they're the only company that's going to stay afloat. Maybe PFL, but we'd have to. I would have to. I don't know too much like the inner workings of how their contracts are all set up. But it seems pretty good over there. I hear, I think PFL is pretty good, but it's just not a big roster. That's my thing. I was like, they just have more money because they don't have anyone on their roster, and that's good. That's what you want. And they're only a season, so they're not every weekend. They're only a certain time of the year and then they're done. Also great. We shouldn't we shouldn't be gorged on fighting. I like the idea of a season. Make us think about other things during the year. Maybe each promotion can have their own season. I don't know. Whatever. Rafael Fazeev got accused by Phuket top team from not paying his rent. They just want to be in the news probably. I don't even know why he put out. well I guess you could put out your side of the story at the end of the day, if you haven't been to that, if you haven't been to Phuket Thailand before you chime in, if you haven't been there, don't say anything, right? Because I'm about to break something down to you. The gym is about a mile apart. Of course they're in the news. This guy gets all the cameras to Tiger and no one goes to Phuket Top Team. Sorry. End of story. People that are like... The people that are even side with Phuket Top Team. Just... Being a professional fighter is a terrible career choice. Forever dealing with stuff like this. This is a very ignorant statement. Oh, oh, forever dealing with stuff like this? Okay, there's a couple fighters that are, like, not this at all. You know, John Jones doesn't deal with this. It's how you fight. It's called technique. It's about, like, being safe. Obviously, you know, there are tough fights and whatever. But Michael Bisping's got a pretty good life life choice. He's doing pretty well in the world right now. He can afford all this. He can afford a horse for his wife. He's not making comments like this on the on a website. He's can pay way more than you. Being a... Fo- prof- you do journalism on fighting. That's like an NFL journalist going, Football. Pfft. Idiots. <laughs> then why even do the journalism for it? Get out of the sport then. Basketball playing. Basketball players. Knee problems. (laughs) Why would you even? Anyway, today that happened in NBA. I mean, it's people. Um, Let's see. Dustin Jacoby who wins who wins guys who do you think I'm gonna who do you think I'm gonna say wins who wins who wins sorry you won't get to see my result sorry all right um, I'll let you know in a second Alright, now we're on BJPenn.com. Let me get some more levity in this before I start breaking down the fights. UFC parts with 11 fighters. Levity. Who have they removed? Brandon Davis. Vince Morales. Kevin Notvidad. <clears throat> hey, they should pay more fighters. Kevin Notvidad went 0-3 in, in his UFC career. Oh, they should pay more fighters. Yeah, you got it. He went. Uh, got Omaga, whatever his name is. Went zero and two in the UFC. Roland Pava went three and four. Alejandro Perez went one and three. Jay Perrin went zero and three. Marcelo Rojo went 0-3. Oh, they should get rid of more of these fighters. I mean, I do. You went 0-3, right? So, you paid a guy that wasn't even supposed to be there to begin with. So, why even sign them? What are we doing here? What are we doing? Water we done here. Alright. What's even the point? What's the point of paying them if they're not even gonna do anything? Let them fight in other leagues. Why do you have to acquire all these fighters and pay and then pay them and then not and then allocate funds for those fighters for no reason otherwise, other than just fill up a fight card, which most of these fights fall through anyways, if you haven't checked in the past fucking year. Um and for what? For them to go 0-3, that they could have actually done some stuff in another promotion, made some money in another promotion, maybe realized if this was for them or not, or to sharpen up some of their tools before going to the UFC, being ready, and then actually, yeah, whatever. I'm just going to talk. I'm just going to talk. That's all I do, to talk. <laughs> Give me the CEO position. Uh, Gilbert Burns. no. Just trying to see if there's anything on these. Oh, Valentino Shechenko versus Alexa Grasso added to UFC 285 March. Listen, man. I'm going to put money on Alexa Grosso. Not. I mean, I, I guess I could. I have no stake. I have no personal stake in it. Um, but it's one of those situations where I hate to break it. Do it. Most fights are 50-50 anyways. So uh, I don't know what the underdog is. But Alexa Grasso is probably an underdog, and it's probably going to be a high underdog, so put money on her. Could win. Always. Because Valentina's is always going to be a strong favorite, so why not put the under- money on the underdog? mm <laughs> mm Oh, Amanda Duda is expected to return on that same card to fight Irene Aldana. And that would be the, it would be a three fight. I guess it would be a three. I guess it would be a three champ fight. John versus Cyril. Amanda versus Irene Aldana. And then Valentina versus Alexa Grasso. See, Dana White does stuff. He gives the girls the John Jones card. Brian Battle. I just saw him today. Um, wait, wasn't this the guy that he just fought? Um, I'm pretty sure it's the fight that he just had. Lost that fight. I don't know why they're just talking about it now. Oh, 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 oh that's so long ago. Oh, I didn't even realize. Okay. Yeah, December 14th. I was like, what the what's going on? Oh, here we go. Load more. There we go. That was the last one. Petra Jan versus Marabdez Desvalos Feely. Uh headline March eleventh. That's going to be a good fight. That's going to be probably, in my opinion, who's like the toughest motherfucker in the Bantamweight division. Either the Georgian or the Russian. John's a motherfucker. John John Jones won't reveal how much he'll weigh in heavyweight debut at at UFC 285. I want Cyril to see me for the first time. And it'd be a nice surprise. Let's do Um. And then let's see. MMA Junkie, you got anything for me? Um, we'll talk about the fights. All right. Actually, before we talk about, oh no, whatever. Um, before we talk about the fights, let's get into the fact that uh, that John Jones is back. Real quick. Okay. Yeah. This will be. Yeah. Okay. So, John Jones is returning March fourth against Cerrone. I'm super excited. John is, I think, the greatest of all time. People will go, oh, well, he hits one. Don't give a fuck. He's the greatest fighter of all time. It's not about the greatest human being competition. That's not what this is about. I don't care, right? Obviously, some people want to put all the other stuff um, as well, like the cheating and PED use or whatever. Once again, picograms. What are we talking about? I'm just saying, I'm saying here and now, it's, I know it's shady. There's a lot of shady things that come with John as far as like, oh, the asterisks and all that stuff. But if you watch this man fight, you wonder and you know what you're talking about. You're not just some ass hat that sits on the corner and goes, "Oh, he's just a he's a piece of shit, so he shouldn't be the greatest of all time." And not acknowledge the fact of what he's done in his career to me, you're not really an MMA fighter because then you don't really care about the art that's being, like. you don't really care about the art that's being like, expressed on the canvas. And John's the best at it. He's got, uh, and to watch him from, as a fan of just like MMA and loving it for just loving it and not really knowing so much about it and more just knowing it for for something I watch on the weekends with my friends and I really enjoy it and not as like a coach I've decided to go back and start watching the John Jones fight the John Jones fights and from what I've started watching in an analytical standpoint is not only how good he is but how technically efficient and perfect he is. Whatever he does, he, and he's and he's using the same techniques that is, a, like, the idea, the whole thing is like, oh, John uses his opponent's techniques against them and fights their game plan against them, and that's what makes him impressive. It's like, yes, but also in those moments of like just nervous energy when they first start or whatever. He does, he protects himself. He moves out of the way. He moves his feet. He moves in the right direction at the right time. He throws the right shot at the right time. He doesn't throw punches to just throw punches. He doesn't throw kicks to just throw kicks. He uses the momentum off of strikes to build up in a combination rather than just to throw a combination to throw a combination. He moves his feet the right way. He gets in the right stance at the right time. He uses those linear kicks to the knee instead of leg kicks because they don't have such of a risk of getting checked. There's these little things that he does that as a fighter, he breaks down in his mind. And then he also has the physical capabilities of a Super Bowl level winning athlete. His brothers have done it. It's in his genes. He can do it, right? Not that he did because he went on to do other things, but Everyone wants to talk about, oh, wait until these NFL players, they wait until the UFC pays more, and then these NFL players start coming over here and start smashing these guys. John is that guy. He was the first one to do it, and is the youngest light heavyweight champion of all time. He demolished DC. Two fights. I rewatched the Reyes fight. He won that. Sorry. And the way he won too, if you watch it now, you go, oh. Oh. I think I think MMA has also evolved a lot more than people realize that it's not just like the volume of strikes that you throw. It's like the devastating effect that they have is more what counts. And that's why damage is now being held as a higher criteria. John was fine after that fight dom's face is all busted nose bleeding bad you know i think john had a little bit of a cut or whatever um point being i don't think so point being is that's why he's like oh reyes won because he threw more strikes one judges don't get to see that information they don't know sorry so i think from the judge's perspective having coached ringside and you see the impacts that close. I think what the judges see and hear is different from everybody that's in the crowd yelling and drinking, and, can bear, and that's why I say just watch it at home. And then also at home, when you watch it on the TV, the impact of the punches and stuff don't translate as much. But I feel like, and that's why i watching it, I see him hit the cleaner strikes. John's always, his strikes are always landing. He's got a higher strike percentage. Dom had a lower, higher the uh, lower strike percentage. He stuffed the takedowns. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he stuffs the takedowns. He John still got the takedowns eventually. And he still was able to implore implore his wrestler to impose his wrestling and make Dom have to worry about it. And at the end of the day, the dog and John to be able to go through all that and just be stoic. Looking at you in the chest, jab, cross, kick, cross, showing no emotion. That is one of the best things John has. Henry Cejudo said in the last video that he did with John Camp, he just, he's got the face that you need when you fight. You can't show any emotion. Dead set on the chest, just focused on what we're doing. No emotion. Killer. Cold. Stoic. All right, you get a good, they get a good leg kick on you. Just keep walking forward. Look him in the chest. Punch him in the face. Move forward, right? Set your traps up. Don't, don't divert from the game plan. Don't, don't reach for things. Don't over, don't uh, overextend on punches, right? Don't anticipate. That's the biggest thing. John's never anticipating. He's always reactive. I don't, uh, there were times where he was anticipating, but Point being is the overall scale. He's never really anticipating, and if he is, he's very safe with it. And these are all the things that make him one of the greatest. And so, when I hear people say he's going to get knocked about, knocked out by Cyril. one, I think John's way smarter than all of you. I think he's going to go in there. He's going to be he's going to be ready for a heavyweight fight. And then two, as far as like being able to take shots and stuff, two. The same people that don't think that John can beat Cyril are the same ones that will be like DC in his prime, smash Cyril all day. They smash Cyril, get some down, smash Cyril. They're the same people. They'll say in the prime, DC, Ragdoll, Cyril, no problem. End the story because what we've seen with Nganu. The whole reason John and DC got in a fight and got it to the bad blood that it got to, to the point where he's like, you still there, pussy? Oh, you think I'm just going to sit there and let you kill me, John? Um, It's because John went up to DC one day and was like, you're an Olympic wrestler. I think I can take you down. And DC took that so, so much to heart. Like, who's this Juco national champion telling me, an Olympic wrestler, that oh, they can take me down. And John proceeded to take DC down like three times in that fight. <clears throat> and DC getting like no ticket. If John Jones can take DC... And not just take him down as far as like tripped him or did some stuff a long, long lanky guy does. But drop level, connect his hands, and double leg DC... I know it's against the cage, it's a different story. But either way, double leg DC... He's going to take Cyril down. If not, he's stuck against the cage for the whole fight. Technically, to get your hips and your and your level lower then an Olympic wrestler is a very, very hard task and to be able to do that over and over again. And obviously everyone's like, oh, but what about all these times that he didn't get takedowns in his last fights? Okay. I mean, he he did. He eventually did get some takedowns from people. He, he They stuffed takedowns for sure. They're the equal size to John. I don't think it's going to be easy for John to just take Cyril down. That's not what I'm saying. I don't think he can just like, I don't think John's just going to Hulk smash like Nganu did with the takedowns. But I think it's going to be the constant threat of it will eventually open up the one. Like the one with Alexander Gustafson. Because it just takes one. When John gets on top of you and starts raining punches down, the man's got a lot of something in his heart. And it comes pouring out of his fists like venom. And he puts people away. So I think it just takes... It doesn't take... And it takes one kick for him to catch. Right? See what I'm saying? Like, it's not one punch. Like, this idea that... Oh, Cyril's got one punch knockout. He does, but John's very hard to hit. And you have to set it up without the fear of getting taken down. Because it takes one takedown for John to get on top. Get into crucifix. And start doing what John used to. What John loves to do. That to me is scarier. It's like the Khabib thing. It's like one takedown. Then you, what? What for the rest of the fight? <clears throat> it's different. I think John either submits or he TKOs zero gone on the ground. I mean, and he's an underdog right now. If you're not putting money on John, you really are held up by his personal shit. And I get that. I understand that you can't... Some people can't separate the art from the artist. I tend to more than other people. And that's fine. Whatever. Everyone's got their thing like... Oh, he's done such this stuff. I can't really accept the fact that there's other people that are great and they don't do these things. George. The way I look at it is... Okay, who's, who do you think is the greatest? Demetrius Johnson. Demetrius Johnson and John Jones locked in a cage. Who comes out? John Jones. George St. Pierre. Okay, John Jones and George St. Pierre locked in a cage. Who comes out? John Jones. So that's the way I look at it. It's like, that's my greatest. That's how it's determined for me. If they're the greatest fighter, then when they step in the cage, whoever comes out is the greatest fighter. Street Fighter rules, you know? All right. So this one's a little bit longer, but that's okay. With the last couple minutes and stuff, I'm going to go and break down the fights. Thank you all for tuning in. Make sure to drop a like on the video and press that noty bell and press the subscription. Please uh, subscribe to the podcast. I would really enjoy it and appreciate it. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, YouTube, and uh, thank you for all the likes and views on the last one. Um, I, I really, really appreciate it. I hope to get more, um, I know MMA media is not the best in the world and, um, I think that's where I differ a little bit and obviously there's other coaches that are getting into it as well, but being a coach and also being a fan of the sport and being in the sport for so long, um, and kind of always having thoughts and talking about it, uh, I hope to grow and eventually become one of the more m- major players in this whole MMA journalism space and that way I can make better content for everybody. And also, I mean why I've always been here, Southern Scrab Nation, right? Put that put that Southern Martial Arts Mixed Martial Arts on the map. Okay, cool. Thank you. Bye. Give me one second. Okay. Back to it. So, you'll see this weekend in Brazil. We've got a couple Brazilian. Yeah, we got like a couple Brazilian fighters, stars to watch on this card. Um, and then on top of that, we just got a, you know, a couple good old fights. So the prelims, like the early prelims are kind of packed, to be honest. Since you have um Larley Alves and Nicholas Dalby, I think is a great fight. It's like the clash of Two styles as far as a jiu-jitsu guy um, with pretty – jiu-jitsu guy with explosive hands. And then you have a guy that's got really good striking but also has a pretty fast takedown ability, right? So it's like the <laughs> – even more of the polar of the opposites of each other. Like they, they mirror each other in the opposite way. You get, marry mirror each other, I guess, whatever. Um, Then you have Terrence McKinney versus Ismail Bonfim. I Don't really know much about this Ismail guy. They're both young. Ismail has eighteen and three. Terence is thirteen and four, but higher level competition. Macheta. So. Uh, i I mean, I would go with Terence, but just because of the level of competition he's fight, he's fought, and then Ishmael being Brazilian, I guess the crowd helps, but. Whatever. Um, Luong. Les Seda versus Cody Stanneman. Once again, I don't know if Luant is but nope. he's not fought in the UFC before. He's a pro fighter of Rio. So I'd go with Cody Staniman. All these guys that have had the UFC experience, I would I would go with them. And then Shamil Akduram-Himov versus Yahilton Almeida. This one I this one's a a big favorite of mine as far as um fights to watch Jai Hilton is he trains in Salvador Bahia where I'm from uh trains with a family friend and when next time I go down there I'm definitely training with him he's a beast on the ground and his hands and feet are looking great uh and then with Shamil obviously he's a a veteran but Jai Hilton I think is a one in a thousand or one in a million athlete they don't build them like that where I'm from in Brazil. They just don't. Like people aren't built that way. So the fact that he is built that way. And then on top of that, he's Brazilian. So he's born with the Jiu Jitsu scrolls and all those special techniques and stuff. I think it'll be able he'll be able to out Jiu Jitsu Shamil. And also being as big as him, I don't think the takedowns are gonna be as effective. So if he wants to take him down, then I think you're dealing with a big guy with a really good guard or standing up he's just faster and more of a imposing figure so then in the prelims the regular prelims we got Gabriel Bonfim versus Munir Lazez Munir Lazez out of Dubai he's one of Darren Tills Dubai training partners um he lost his lost he won his last fight I like watching him fight. He's got a really good Muay Thai, um, he's got, like, a really good Muay Thai base. He's 35, though. Um, and Gabriel, I assume, is the other dude's brother. Um, I would go with Munir. Once again, the experience, Thiago Moises versus Mikula Costa. They're obviously feeding Thiago Moises, this dude. Thiago Moises. Robocop versus Bruno Fajeda. I mean, unless you're a dog dog, unless long as you can go through what uh, Robocop went through in his last fight, it's going to be hard to beat him. Um. Yeah. This is one of those, like, curious things. The older fighters get, obviously, we are looking at uh, Shogun. Um, I want to go with the other dude, because the other dude is younger, 26, and there's obviously like a cutoff, and he's already fought in the UFC, and he's lost. And this is supposed to be, like, Shogun's retirement fight. Maybe he goes out on a win, and he enjoys himself. Obviously, there's a he went to a decision with Robin St um I don't want to see Shogun get beat up bad hopefully he goes out there and he wins for his last fight but this is where this is like this weird thing where there's a time where these guys the Chiago Moises the uh, the Robocops I've had enough experience in the UFC and they're I mean not Robocop because he's oh, he's dirty he's pretty young' actually, sure. um they're in the prime of their careers, but they've also had experience. So they're super dangerous for anyone coming just coming in straight from the USC. But then if you don't make waves in those times and you don't improve and become a champion, then eventually that 30 becomes 41 and you're Shogun. And you're fighting a dude that's 26. He may not have all the experience, but it's just it's way harder. So in the main card we got Paul Craig versus Johnny Walker. Um, Paul Craig, uh, he's been training in at higher level MMA in Scotland with my buddy Cam Donnelly and the folks there. He, I could say, his striking's got better, I think. So if his striking's gotten better, he just has to be. I'm gonna go with Paul Craig, and here's why, because I think the jiu-jitsu thing is gonna play into it. Um I think his striking's gotten better. He's got a little bit more dog in him. And Johnny Walker, he's coming off of a win, but his wins aren't none of his wins are easy. Ian Kutala. Oh no, he lost to Jamal Hill. That was his last fight, sorry. He got lost to his last fight. And if he's expecting the Jiu Jitsu from Paul Craig, maybe Paul Craig changes it up and knocks him out. I'm gonna go. Paul. That's my personal choice, obviously Johnny Walker has the one shot, but he's so explosive, and he's not—he's not like a puzzle anymore. Everyone kind of knows. So one, kind of like a one-round fighter. And then you have Lauren Murphy versus Jessica Andrade. I like Jessica Andrade on this. She's coming back up to Flyway. I mean, I, she's been fighting at Flyway, but she choked out. Uh, Amanda Lemos who's been coming. If she knocks out Lauren Murphy, she's fighting for Val- against Valentina again. I just love Jessica Andrade, flyweight. Uh, she heavy, heavy hands. So, and then Gilbert Burns versus Neil Magny, easy pick. Gilbert Burns, wa- like I mean, steamroll first round. Maybe knocks him down, goes for a submission, submits Neil Magny. Uh, Gilbert Burns, if there was a 165 division, would be the champion. He's so good at 170. His size is not his... It sucks. It's like... It's too small, but... I don't know. Um, but also, Neil Maggie's like, kryptonite is... And I know he's been training with Hamzat Chimaev, but once again, can't... It's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. Um, so, Gilbert Burns all day. And then, co-main event, Davidson Figueiredo versus Brandon Moreno. Uh, This is their fourth fight. I'm pretty sure it's... Draw? One and one, right? Yeah, draw one and one. Last one being a decision from Figueiredo. Um... It's a tough one for me. Cause I could see Davidson winning through a decision in Brazil again. And that statistically would make a lot more sense. They lost they won. he won his last fight by decision. The first fight was from um a submission after like getting beat pretty bad. And I guess since not making that mistake again, he at least can edge out a decision just through five rounds of them going back and forth. I want to lean towards a five-round another decision from Davison Figueiredo, but Brandon Moreno is that dog. He's a bigger dog than Davison. and We learned that in that first fight, but it would be hard in Brazil to not expect Davison to, like, die out there, you know, for whatever he's will- be willing to die out there. Or, in the words of Alex Pagano, be willing to kill out there. Um, And then the main event, oh, I guess I'll... Give up more... Uh, the Davis and Figueroa co-main champion again, yeah. and then Glover Teixeira versus Jamal Hill. Uh, I think Glover actually wins this. I think his the the the, the grit of Glover and the in the tight boxing. There's not much that Jamal Hill can show him that he doesn't already see from Alex. On top of that, they want to say that he's like they've like crap. I also don't like when coaches, and I've been listening on the Embedded and stuff like that, when they act like they've cracked some Matrix code in order to strike, and he's like, oh, he's doing stuff that We're so far ahead of other people, you know what I mean? It's fighting. Like, quit sniffing your own asshole. It's not that crazy. Like, you found how to fight off angles. I mean, it's fighting. Unless your guy is Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon running across air and punching my fighter in the face. Dog. It's all about that, dude. It's all about heart, mental strength and determination and moving forward. The technique is what matters. It's just having really crisp technique and keeping it fun with the fundamentals. It's all that matters. You don't need this idea that your coach has some secret sauce or some snake oil. That stuff, I tend to stay away from people like that. It's just... Because if you fight, you know what it is, right? To fight. So to say it's anything else is just disingenuous and like you're trying to sell something to people. And I find that predatory and I don't like that. That's why I love Glover and I love this fight because I think Glover takes it, shows that a 43 year old man can do it. He gets the submission, I think. I think he submits Jamal Hill through that pressure at the half guard back take, choke. Um, so yeah, those are my predictions. I got Glover Teixeira, Davidson Figueiredo, Gilbert Burns, Jessica Andrade, Paul Craig. So pretty much all Brazilians, except for the one guy that doesn't live in training Brazil. Oh, I guess Glover does live in Danbury, Connecticut. Um, except for Paul. Okay. So everyone, all the Brazilians, except for Paul Craig. Other than that, That has been my reviews and my predictions and what's gone on with the world of MMA. Next next week, we've got Derek Lewis versus Sergey Spivak. Spivak. Or the week after that. So, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Remember, subscribe to the podcast, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all the places you can listen and watch this. Drop a like on the video. I'll share it everywhere. Share it with your friends. Share it with your family. And until next time, stay safe. And enjoy the fights.